Welcome back to SEOconspiracy.com with a very, very special guest today, Christine. Bonjour, Christine. Bonjour. <laughs> 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 are you saying in English? Christine Schasinger? That's it? Schasinger? Uh, yeah, in American, it's Schackinger. You're probably Schackinger. closer to the German pronunciation, yeah. <laughs> So I'm honored, I'm very pleased to have you on board because uh, as far as Google goes, as far as SEO goes, I mean, you probably know Google SEO better than people at Google themselves. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I didn't go that far, but <laughs> no, uh, I hope it's a lot, yeah. yeah. Oh, that might be a good title for the video, actually. <laughs> how, to, <laughs> how, to know, how to know Google SEO better than Google, Googlers. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so because Christine, you've been doing this a long time. I think we started about around the same. Uh, when did you start? What year did uh, you start? In, I started in digital longer than I'd like to say, but, but 1998. But, but, SEO. but SEO I started SEO 2004, 2005. Yeah, so yeah, I was two, yeah. Two, 2003 and very serious in 2004. So same, but I, you come from a more technical development code. You are in the matrix. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. count. I count 10 by 10. I can divide by two. I come from a marketing, branding background. And uh, thank you for, and you are in Las Vegas. So yeah. it's, uh, it's one in the morning uh, for me and it's uh, four in the afternoon for you. And, but you have the Eiffel Tower. I'm French, but I don't live in France. <laughs> but thank you for the... Uh, yeah, and I put the night photo just because it it's it's meaningless during the day. It just looks like a building. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it it it's gonna match me uh, with the night uh, with the clipping on my. Uh, I know because we didn't meet long ago, uh, but uh, we hit it off uh, very well. And uh, you've been watching me getting wasted wasted uh, <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with my SEO friends uh, from Honey, uh, from the UK. Yeah, and uh, the lots of alcohol, lots of uh, uh, weed, and uh, uh, well, forbidden words on. <laughs> you need to give uh, Chris Simmons a shout out for the Corona Pub, though. He's done a great job. Listened to some music earlier today. Did the pub quiz yesterday, so it's been a lot of fun. I mean, us, we have the same things, but we just drink. <laughs> we <t> <laughs> 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 we just <laughs> yeah the, the, as the as the French we just drink you guys I mean they they I mean us they they do a lot of work no it's uh Chris is really uh running this thing uh it's very fun but so what we're gonna do we're gonna start about uh learning a little bit who you are what you do and then uh you're gonna teach us how to uh how to beat the game how to be number one on Google. <laughs> oh, no, first, of course, because this is SEO conspiracy. So first, we're going to, after we meet, uh, we, we, we know a little bit more about you. We're going to talk about your favorite urban legends and myth. <laughs> then we're going to go on into, uh, into the matrix of Google. And then we'll see where it goes. Uh, it's 100% freestyle, as always. And uh, if you thought that Dixon Jones put on a wig, no, Dixon Jones is on Monday, seven o'clock London time. 
this is a long form. It could be one hour, two hours, three hours until I fall. Maybe we'll do a little series. We'll see. We'll see where it ends. So let's start. You have the reputation to be the the last resource, the last, uh, the saver. The, we call Christine when uh, uh, the site, uh, nobody can fix it and you find the solution, but you're also uh, one of the most um, vivid. Um, what I like about you, you, you wrote what? Like 120, over 120 uh, articles all over the main uh, uh, publications, right? In, uh, in yeah, English? Yeah, over, over the years, yeah. Yeah. But but you 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 are no bullshit SEO type of person. That's that's what I like about you. You 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 say it like it is. Uh, uh, you are I wouldn't say you are controversial, but you just and you do it in a nice way. I'm well known for being controversial, but sometimes being a little. Uh, I would, I would love to be you, like to have this you know, nice touch to, to be, to, okay, here's a slam dump. I'm, <laughs> I'm slapping you, but I'm doing it with style. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to slap too hard. I, I usually just stick to like um, not personal things. I mean, mind you, if you see my Twitter account, there's a lot of trolls that I'm arguing with on a regular basis. So that's a little different. <laughs> but professionally speaking, yeah, they, uh, I try to be uh, more about process than about what's happening um, with the Google itself. You know, I, I'm lately, I think I've gotten to be uh, considered maybe controversial just for speaking out when I think Google's wrong, which I think as SEOs, we should always do that because mm -hmm. my responsibility is to my client, not to Google. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I try, I try to be pretty fair, you know, unless someone verbally attacks me and that's a different story. We're going to get into your, I mean, we all have this love-hate relationship with Google. <laughs> so we, we, we're going <laughs> to we, talk about it. But yeah. first, yes, you, um, you live in uh, beautiful Las Vegas. I do. Yeah. And you, uh, so you come from, you have the ability to combine the technical and the marketing so that's kind of a superpower in SEO because uh, usually you have technical profiles, you have more like content um, profiles, you have uh, link building profiles, and uh, you got all of them. How did that come about? Well, uh, primarily just how my brain works. So my, my dad is very mathematical. He designs hospitals, logistics for hospitals, architecture, all that. My mom was very creative. So she did a lot of creative writing. She was a dancer. Um, she did a lot of marketing. We had a family store. So she did a lot of ag copy, things like that. So I grew up around um, a family business. And then I grew up with parents that were uh, diametrically opposed and how they think about things. And so my brain is pretty much middle brain. Like I need to do creative and logical things at the same time. So when I got out of college, I had a degree in sociology and art, which meant I was a barista for a year because um, making coffee was about the only thing they'd hire me for with that degree. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw an ad in the paper one day for a HTML web designer. And I was like, I have no idea what any of this is because this was back when people weren't just started to get hired for those things. 
And so I, I went out and I got a book on HTML and I was like, I could do that. And, uh, and then I went in and the interview and, and because of my art degree, they hired me because I, I said, you can't, you can teach me code, but you can't teach me, you can't teach someone how to design. Mm. So, uh, so they accepted that answer. They hired me. I did that for a year. Then I moved into a publisher that was just starting to do websites. So I, I did Reba McIntyre, a uh, country singer here in the States. Um, I did Martha Stewart, worked on all those kind of accounts. And back then, if your design won the account, you followed the project all the way through. So I would take the design, I would code it, I would put the templates together, I'd take the back end, I'd merge it to the front end, I would do was, the Was it Dreamweaver? What, what tool no, did you use? Uh, you could use Dreamweaver, but no, I used straight old um, home site. I was just a straight hand hard coder. No, no, yeah, Todd. Wow. No, no tools. Yeah, no tools. I hated the tools. Um, so I got to be very good at front end coding and design. And then, um, and then I added accessibility a few years later. Um, and then I was working at, um, moved here to Las Vegas when the market crashed after the dot com bust. Um, spent two years in the DC area. Sorry, backtrack a little bit. Uh, before uh, I moved here, uh, <clears throat> well, I came from DC area. I spent two more years after the dot-com bust. I came here and was working for a, a government position remote. And then they get, they terminated the position, not me, but the position itself. And so I found a job at a Vegas hotel travel site. And I was doing their microsites and working with a development group on the back end and stuff. And somebody was doing SEO for us and, and not doing a very good job. And my boss said, if I could figure out why one of our new sites hadn't been indexed in six months, that she'd let me move over and try SEO. So uh, I found the no, the no index tag on the site. And they had been paying this company 20000 a month to do SEO on a site that wasn't indexed in Google uh, <laughs> for six months. And this is back in the day when uh -huh. there was like the myth of like the sandbox and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, she said, you know what? You can't do any worse. And so if you want to do SEO, and I'd been asking her for a while if I could try, uh, she let me start. So I cut my teeth on the Las Vegas hotel travel industry. Got it. Yeah. And did you, how did you come out? Okay. You are one of the most thought after speaker, author that I can, uh, I can understand how you did it just by hustling, right? But how did you get that reputation of being this last, last resort uh, the, <laughs> we get when, when hell breaks loose? Like, okay, you got, you got to call Christine. <laughs> she's, the, she's the cleaner, right? <laughs> well, I, I think that, um, well, a couple of things. One, I, I was very fortunate in this industry where uh, I think men sometimes get an unfair um, reputation. Because when I started in the industry, it was mostly male and they opened a lot of doors for me. They, you know, they invited me into um, their groups to meet up at conferences, to write, to speak, um, things like that. So I got in with a group of SEOs that knew a lot. And back in the day when we're talking like where there's Bozer and, you know, mm -hmm. the, the hardcore black hatters who in the U.S. And uh, so I learned a lot from them. I'm technical by nature. I was developing websites in development groups up until 2011 um, with companies, you know, inside the company. Uh, so I think I just have a good technical background and then I'm very analytical. I uh, did everything but my dissertation for a PhD. So I have a lot of academic background on how to research and how to, you know, mm -hmm. figure out the puzzles. 
So I think if you put that together with the amount of uh, the great people that I learned from in the industry, I think that's combined. Let me ask you a question. Did you ever go to the dark side? Because <laughs> if you I, hang out with Black Hat. <laughs> I did not, but I, I learned a lot to protect my sites from Black Hat. So, and I don't have any, don't get me wrong. I, I know there are white hats who are like, or gray hats, whatever we call ourselves, uh, that are like, oh, Black Hat's bad. I don't think Black Hat's bad. It's a tool in the industry that people use to rank websites. It's just something Google doesn't like. Uh, but for myself, I like playing the game inside the rules because to me, when I win that way, then I feel like mm. I've like um, really accomplished something because I've made like, like I have a site yesterday on this update that went up 89% and, and, and traffic. And I don't know for sure yet if it's going to hold. We'll wait until the rollout's done. But they're trying to recover from a core update. And that feels like a big win for me because the client now, you know, they're 89% up from where, and they're actually 100% up. They're 89% on this update, 40% on another update. So I like that. I like that win. And I like working with the client that way. So uh, I respect the Black Hat art. I think it's fascinating. Enough so that uh, an affiliate SEO got me to going to DEF CON, the hacker conference, like a decade ago. Uh, and I go every year this year, unfortunately, it's canceled because of COVID, but I go every year and I'm always blown away by the way that the, their minds work. Like not, this isn't just black hat, obviously this is hackers, but they, the way they see the exploits. So, and I'm like, that's so bad what you're doing, but it's so brilliant. I can't even be upset that they're doing that. <laughs> like, but I learned a lot to be able to help protect websites from the attacks. So a lot of times um, if there's like a negative SEO attack, Someone might have me take a look at it because they know that I, I know a lot about it. I don't know everything, obviously. I'm not a hacker, uh, but I know enough hackers that if I don't know, I can ask them. Um, so, yeah, so I, I find it fascinating of learning about it. It's just not how I practice my, my skill as an SEO. Do you know the, the book, uh, The Prince by uh, Machiavelli? Machiavelli? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, what you did is uh, the book. Everybody thinks that it's a book to to practice evil. Well, no, it's for the good prince to learn evil, <laughs> because otherwise the good prince is going to get his uh, head chopped off, chopped up, chopped, uh, chopped off. Yeah. So that's uh, that's basically what what you did is uh, to learn evil, um, to know to do good. Uh, and um, yeah, I think I think uh, I, I always like to beat the machine but i'd never really needed to uh to use black hat for um revenues to make money out of uh, black hat seo um, so it's more uh, yeah just uh, i call myself a search engine hacker <laughs> I, I like, like to uh, and i i uh, figured out what does google want i figured out um my way of doing SEO, it works. Uh, there is only one question mark. Do you have the time or the money, the resource to, but there's no real mystery anymore. What do you, what's your point on that? Because we are in the middle of a core uh, update, meaning ranking signals supposedly changed, modified. But I feel like the, the game is over. I mean, at least from my point of view, the way I'm doing things, it just keeps on uh getting better every every time uh, what, what's uh are you still trying to 
to fight the algorithm, chase the algorithm, or for you is it uh, the SEO game is over and you figure it out and there's nothing uh, else to uh, to discover? <laughs> well, there's always something new in how it works. Yeah, sorry, let me yeah. rephrase. Not to discover, but how to achieve results, you know? How yeah. to, how yeah, to rank. Um, I, I think sometimes I would feel like when I would be in groups like with other SEOs, like I'm kind of basic. Like I go for what I know the algorithm does. I try to make the site the best version of what I think the algorithms are looking for based on research I've done. And then that's the fixes I make. It's not exciting. It's not like particularly like game changing for a lot of people, but you know, it works. I've never had a site that, that I've done ever get hit by an algorithm update. And I've recovered every site uh, that I've, that had an algorithm devaluation that's come to me unless they didn't listen to me. They didn't listen to me, I can't help them. Mm -hmm. But um, so I'm just a solid, I think I'm just a solid SEO. I understand the intricacies of how it works. Uh, I listen to other people um, who, who do research I don't do. Uh, you know, like I talked to other forensic technical SEOs like uh, Alan Blyweiss and uh, Jenny, I can never say Jenny's last name. It's gonna kill me, but how is this? But, uh, and we compare notes on how we think the algorithms are working and what is fixing uh, broken sites. So, but I always find it interesting because it's like a puzzle. You know, the puzzle shifts a little here and shifts a little there, maybe mm -hmm. a big shift and, and then finding out what works and what doesn't work. Because I do a lot of site audits and recoveries. I get to push the meter a lot and I push the levers when I'm recovering a site to find out what is still working. So I think, that's interesting, mm -hmm. but it's not like when I first started where everything was like exciting because like, oh, that does, this works and that works. And oh, that's so cool. And that's so cool because mm -hmm. I've done it so long. I think you probably have the same inclination. Yeah, we, we have a lot of uh, similar, yeah, the, the photography, the passion for uh, making images and the, the nerdy uh, aspect of always trying to dig into the, the machines, yeah. uh, get into the matrix. But yeah, also having, I feel at peace with my way of doing SEO. Like you said, yeah, it's not very sexy. There's no big secrets. There's no magic tricks. But uh, the only question mark for me, yeah, do you have the time and all the money to, uh, do you have the, yeah, you have ambitions you want to be, but we can estimate that it's going to take that much time and or that much money. Can you do it or not? And I can... I'm sure I'm pretty sure for yourself you can guarantee results but you can't guarantee results for your clients but you can guarantee that you give them the the right tools uh, the um, the bon moyen the right uh, the right means yeah. you guarantee that the means to, do you give yeah is that the right word means? yeah yeah no. I think so I, I never guarantee a result just because of course we never know what Google's going to do uh, I never tell a client I 100% know this is going to work I know in my heart and head that it's 100% most likely to work, but I, I manage expectations and I'm like, we make these changes, you should see a big change on the next update or the next amount of weeks um, from fixing something. And um, I give them the right tools to do that, like you're saying, the means to do that. And I work with their developers or I work with their content team or whoever it happens to be to make sure that we have what's on the site uh, necessary. Uh, Ian Laurie had a uh, he wrote an article about close to perfect. And that's really the only goal of an SEO is to get the site as close to perfect, meaning what we know about the algorithms as, as, uh, as fitting to those algorithms 
as possible and then just let Google do its thing. So like you said, it's not particularly sexy, but it's like if you're a marathon runner, you run every day, you eat right. You know, it's it's not a big surprise. Like, you know, uh, you, you, uh, may, practice, yeah, practice. you may know a little trick here or there to like cut a little off your time, but it's mm-hmm. not like a big secret on how you run 25 miles, 26 miles. Yeah, but I feel like I could guarantee the results from my own sites, but you say, okay, we are not sure about Google, but also it's not your website, it's not your yeah, company. That's true. There are some points that you can yeah. control. Well, if it was your website, your company, I'm pretty sure you could guarantee your results. And I'm pretty sure when you test something, either you know yeah. in advance now at your level that the test is going to work or not work even before you, you put it out. Even if we have a lot of surprises, Google, it's... Um, it's an algorithm. It has bugs, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sometimes it's like a it's like the Bermuda Triangle. Sometimes, like the the, the site is in between some filters or something. It's just like, <laughs> uh, but the the recovery part. What's your record uh, from a not algorithm algorithmic penalty, a manual penalty? How fast uh, were you to? Um, to recover uh, that's more on google manual actions right like if you do a schema penalty i've had it where the site's recovered before i get the email that they've taken the penalty off the site. <laughs> and and more that's usually related to the featured snippet loss from a schema loss but not 100 percent. they do get some other losses uh i've i in the history of working on algorithms uh i would say the hardest one was there was a hidden manual action which was, it wasn't mm. a manual action that Google's ever published. And at the time, uh, they also had a penguin. They had two manual actions, a penguin. Um, they were they were out of the search results. They were down like 700 points on the search results. They had bought links. They had done everything spammy you could do. And it was in the loan space, <laughs> right? So they came to us and uh, I had a partner at the time and he did the link side. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, they, I do everything that the you know manual action says is wrong. We fix it. I send in the reconsideration request, and they're like, "Nope, there's still something wrong with the site." And they didn't give any any links or any pages, which now they don't do sometimes. But back then, they always did. You always would get some page examples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I went and did a screaming frog crawl, uh, and it pulled back all the alt text and looked in it, and they had put uh, st- keyword stuffed and paragraph stuffed all the alt text on eight thousand images. And so I'm like, Ooh. you know, I, I don't know of any manual action for this, but let's remove this and we'll go back and re- <laughs> reapply. And it did, it came off. So that was probably the longest. Nice. That one took nice about one. that one took about three, four months because we had to do the two submissions. Uh, and then I had one about a year, a year and a half ago uh, that it took about two months, but it was also during Christmas when they kind of halt everything. So as soon as the, you know, that little space where they don't actually, they claim they're not going to update anything. So do you really believe they still do that? Because that was back, back in the days after Florida. I I, I do. Do you you really think they stop it? I'm not sure. I think so only because of how this action works. I was working with a a commerce company, e-commerce, who had a problem on the site and uh, they were hesitant and they took a while to fix it. And like, we're going to get hit for this if you don't fix it. Well, we did get hit for it three weeks before uh, Black Friday on a billion dollar e-commerce site. So, yeah. So I immediately put in a reconsideration request because I knew 
that would halt the the dampening effect given uh-huh. the brand name of the site um so it came back but it took it like till the last day of shipping to get back to us about the manual action uh and then they they removed okay. it the last week of the month in december so i i still think it's possible uh-huh. like we did get dampened um that that week but we've been doing the fixes in between and then the, i put the manual i put the reconsideration request in but for three weeks nothing happened and then the last week when they everything's closed down pretty much it mm-hmm. recovered so yeah that was a crazy one okay this so despite the um, being the queen of uh penalty recoveries <laughs> well, there are other people that i don't want to make it sound like i'm like the, the best I'm, I'm in a group of very very good accomplished people but um, i would say you know that we we all share similar um abilities so but what what else do you dig in this uh in this work what what kind of project do you like to work on it depends i did a, a nine-month embed down at zappos which was uh, really challenging but because they have no managers so I had to do all these site fixes and recoveries internally without a management team to work with um, and get buy-in and get things done. So that was interesting. Um, I do mom and pops that are struggling. I think I just like it if I either believe in the brand or I believe in the the owner. So I'll do like a small site um, if I believe that they're doing good things. A, A chiropractor I used to work with when I very first started contacted me the other day and it's not a big client but you know he does good work and he does good things for the community and so if i can help him out that'd be great and uh so i I feel like i have a little bit of a a feeling of a purpose to it i always i always tell Mm -hmm. people that as an seo i stand between we all stand between people getting hired and fired and if i feel i can make an impact on that and protect people's jobs by making the site do better and do well uh then that's the kind of project i like i like the the tough ones because for me i know what's going on but the company doesn't uh, and also, I can get big gains that look good. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we we we're gonna get into that the the whole problem of uh, this uh, mystery bo- box of SEO and uh, how Google might not really be helping people to understand better uh, SEO. Uh, but first, let's uh, let's go into the meet uh, meet uh, urban legends. What's your what are your pet peeves? <laughs> Oh, uh, let's see. Well, if you ask any SEO, LSI does not exist. <laughs> Latent semantic indexing. That's old. Um, I have a little bit of a pet peeve right now uh, on the information that's going out around the core updates. So, Wait, hold on. Let, let, let's just pause. Let's go back to LSI because uh, I traced it. You know what happened? Google bought a company called Applied Semantics which is specialized in LSA, LSI, so Latent Semantic Analysis, Latent Semantic Indexing. And this is where the magic of SEO works, of the magic of SEO myth is, yes, Google bought bought the company. So people say, okay, if Google bought the company, they're going to put LSI or LSA into the search. But they didn't read the end of of the sentence. Yeah, it's LSA, LSI for... Uh, advertising <laughs> and that's at the core of something called AdSense <laughs> so there is LSI and LSA in Google AdSense yeah and, and, and if you do the if you read the document so I did um, some talks on Google's change of language 
And so I, did, I read about 80 of their documents and their research in the Google research group uh, on how they were developing that. And so LSI was something that in the very, very brief period in Google, they tried to use in, in organic search, but I don't know for what or for how long or for, it was very brief though, it wasn't, but it, it was, mm -hmm. but this is related to the myth portion. There was a guy who's still an SEO, but he just went dark on everybody after what happened. Um, and I won't use names here, but years ago, he challenged LSI. He was a mathematician and an SEO. He was trying to put together a real uh, peer-reviewed research journal for SEO. And he published his results that LSI was not anything. Didn't, it didn't, the, the math that was used to prove LSI existed was wrong. And it should have just been an academic debate, but he got um, attacked pretty brutally uh, because it was a very prominent SEO that was saying it existed. And a lot of people didn't know him that well. And he was really just trying to do good work. He was trying to literally create a research journal, a real research, not like the research research that goes around now, like like mm -hmm. find variables and you know testing a null hypothesis, all that kind of stuff. And uh, he just disappeared from the industry. He said he was out. And, and it's unfortunate that sometimes um, the myth giver <laughs> has so much prominence that uh, it gets swooped up and people don't listen to the, to the people that can debunk it. Yeah. The, I mean, I like this, this algorithm. I think it's very interesting, uh, but the way people are using it for SEO is just yeah. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. It doesn't exist, like you said. Exactly. So let's go, let's go into this uh, core update. What's uh What's the deal? What's uh, what's the urban legend around it? Well, there's a lot of um, I don't know if it's myth yet because it's only been about a year and a half. But uh, there is a lot of writing about things like Google's looking at content accuracy, but then Google comes out and says, "No, we're not looking at that." And I agree with them. the The scale of having to look at content accuracy would be impossible. Like you'd have to have a fact check against everything that anyone published. And that changes every minute of every day, especially in science, health, mm -mm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, so it's not even scalable, but someone found one research paper, like you're saying, where they looked for facts in this research paper and didn't get to the portion in the research paper where the researcher said, this is not scalable. Like, yes, we were able mm -hmm. to somewhat produce more factual results, but it's not scalable. It can never be used. It requires too much processing. It can't be done at the size that we're that Google exists at. So that's one thing. Then there's another like uh, Google looks at authorship. Well, I get where that came from because Google Plus did have authorship because Google Plus was an identity project, not a search project. But once they got rid of Google Plus, they don't have information. They have entity information on authors, but I'm not an author in Google Entity Search. If you, with people have mm. you know those APIs set up, you search for me, it doesn't come up that I'm an author. So I write, but would Google now devalue an SEO site because I wrote and they, I wasn't the entity no. author? No, they wouldn't do that. And they say that. So a lot of people got the quality raters guide, which is really just dumbing down of the algorithms for the quality raters so that they can rate the, the algo changes, as I'm sure you know. And they took what's in mm -hmm. there, EAT, expertise, authority, and trust, and decided that everything in there was a ranking factor. And it's not. So companies will come to me. I had a bunch of doctors after Ungagged LA come to me after. I'd like, uh, it was three or four come after a talk I gave. And they're like, 
One's like, I spent 20,000. Another's like, I spent 30,000. And they all rewrote all their content, paying doctors to rewrite it because they were told they had to have somebody with doctor credentials to write all their content, which they didn't. Google wasn't looking at that. And then Google came out and said, we're not looking at that. So the core ranking update isn't, everyone's trying to make it like a conspiracy, like it's like conspiracy, conspiracy theories are, you know? It's like, oh, it's all this stuff and it's all these things. And it's like, no, it's simple. It's like a virus transmits the way a virus transmits. It's basic science. Core updates are core ranking factors that they're tweaking to get some result that Google desires. We don't know exactly what it is, but when I've tweeted to someone like Danny or Martin, uh, they have said, you know, when I've said, is this to try to get a more accurate uh, query match or an accurate search result that way? And they're like, yes. Um, so it's basically just core ranking factors that people need to look at technical and a query relevance is important too. But it's not any of these things that people are having, you know, putting into these these articles where it's like all this intricate stuff that Google's never talked about. Um, and so it bothers me because uh, people are wasting money. And these are people yeah, that after true. a core update, you're not, you don't have a core update issue. You don't usually lose 20% or 10% of your traffic. You lose 80%, 90%. You know, I've never seen any with anybody with less than 50 to 60% loss. They don't have the money and time to be spending $20,000 on content for, uh, their site to be written by an expert that's known because uh, Google's not looking at any of that, you know? So they come to me and they're like, why didn't my site recover? And I'm, I have to tell them the hard news. And that is none of those are ranking factors. The things we have to fix, we'll do an audit, we'll find, we'll fix them. And, and all those sites have come back. So, Did you see the, um, the last uh, patent shared by... Uh... Bill, not, um, our friend Bill, because now they are looking at um, vectors and supposedly they are trying to analyze your style, right? You have a writing style and they can try to figure out that. And, but it's, uh, I mean, you could have different writing styles, right? Yeah. Depending on where you write. So, so, and different <laughs> editors. So it makes it, uh, it's still experimental and I'm sure they, they want to do it because it would be a big treasure to put, I call it the person rank, yeah. right? The page yeah. rank on, on somebody's uh, and not on the author, on, on anybody. <laughs> uh, that's, um, and maybe Facebook is more ahead on that than them. They have more data useful to, to profile someone than, uh, than Google actually. Um, Google is pretty limited on the, on the scope of what they, what they see. Oh, well, they have Google Chrome. Yeah, that's true. They, see, they can see everything. Well, no, they're so limited, though. You're right. And, and Bill, Bill's amazing. He does amazing analysis of patents. But he even says in everything that he writes, this is a patent. It doesn't mean that they're using it. And, uh, you know, a patent can just be because they don't want someone else to use it. You know? They, yeah, exactly. they might have hit on something they think is interesting, and they're going to need 10 years to develop it. But let's get a patent on it now so we can protect it. So... I, I think that writing style would be a, a very hard one. Like you just said, like you use different styles with different mm -hmm. audiences. Plus, if you look at how I write an academic paper versus how I write an article, they're completely different. I use, they're very different verbiage, very different sentence structures. And then my editors are very different. I've had editors who edit very little and keep my voice intact, but make me sound really good. I've had editors who take out big chunks of what I write. So... I don't know how you could do an author 
signature without a lot of other information on just writing. I don't, I don't think that was very True. effective. And let's remind everybody that Google doesn't, uh, it's not words, it's vectors. Yeah. Right? And, and so people understand, cause I know you know what it means, but, uh, well, Google to, when it moved from strings to things, it had a ba basically a database of known nouns of entity is just a noun. And those entities, they put a mathematical number to, put them in a knowledge graph. The knowledge graph has um, vectors where those words go, and then they assign relationships through the nodes, the connections. So um, they know apples and oranges are often used together. Uh, if you looked at the time when I first tested it, this long time ago, would probably not be valid today. But I looked up iced tea versus iced black tea versus iced rubios tea. Well, nobody really searches for iced Rubio's tea. It's usually a hot tea. So when I did that, I got back very few results on just iced tea. Like I got a whole bunch of different things. This mm -hmm. is when Rank Brain first came out. Um, and so that's how it works. And the, those vector relationships show distance between relationships. So if, if I put out an article out with all the Marvel uh, comic characters in it, uh, I don't ever mention Marvel. Google knows that's Marvel Comics because all those are together with other types of entities that tell it this is about this topic. But um, mm. but it, it's it's very complex in that those relationships are all designated by those nodes, which is really kind of a network theory, like human network theory. It's kind of similar. Um, and I'm sorry, hopefully I'm not rambling, but uh, no. But who who is in relation to what and why and um, I'm very good at reverse engineering people. And when you know that Amit Singhal, who is the one who really made Google, yeah. right? I mean, Larry Page and Segarin kind of did something, but Amit, Amit Singhal really was the one who rewrote the page rank and really anti-spam, blah, blah, blah. And he was, I don't know how you say in English, Tezar, the, the student of uh, the Professor Salton, uh, the Salton Cosinus which uh, is about, uh, yeah, the, the distance between two, uh, two entities. Uh, so if, if Amit Singhal was the student of uh, Professor Salton, well, it makes sense that he went that yes, way exactly. <laughs> to, to build a search engine. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, uh, the way I, even if I'm not an uh, engineer, even if I don't know how to count, it's not that difficult because it's not really high level um, as far as what we need to understand. The conversation, let me rephrase. Um, Dixon Jones, who is crawling the web with Majestic, right. see a lot of things that we don't. So he's saying, okay, you guys can reverse engineer what you see, but you don't, you have no clue like about what I see <laughs> from, from the back office of Majestic. But the good news is, we don't need to see all the rest. The little we can reverse engineer is enough to achieve results. Uh, but you you are one of the rare, rare person who can really go beyond the obvious, who can, uh, I don't know, maybe it's because your brain is, is uh, how do you figure out what you can't see? You know, <laughs> how do you go beyond the obvious? Uh, well, part of that comes from my academic background. I mean, I'm a sociologist by education, which Sociology is the study of humans, but it's a very inexact set of variables, right? You can't put a human in and another human in a room and have them interact and go there. That's how it works, right? So it's a very inferred type of uh, social science. 
And it's very similar to the search results. You're looking for patterns and anomalies. So a lot of people will look at its face and go, well, I looked at this website and it dropped and it must be because of X. And I'm like, mm, that's not really a ranking factor. These are the variables we know. What changed? What made the variables different? What's the, the invisible variable? And you find that usually in the outliers and the anomalies that happen. So uh, to bring it down to like real world, I was working with a client site who I looked in their Google search console and they had the fourth keyword referrer was four letters. The four letters aren't a product name that I knew of, but they had a lot of products. So I go to the site and I search product name, doesn't exist. I'm like, well, that's really weird. Why is this our fourth referrer? And I go and I put it in Google and I find out it's a porn site. And yeah, oh, nice. <laughs> and, and and I pointed it out to some other people on the team and, and nothing against them. They're not forensic SEOs. They don't look at it the same way I do. And I think I learned a lot of this from talking to hackers, right? And uh, and they're like, well, we've seen that there for like forever. We just thought it was just the product. And I have a natural like <laughs> curiosity on things that don't make sense. So and it's mm, a good and a bad it. thing, right? Because I can go down a rabbit hole on anything that doesn't make sense to me yeah. until I figure out what makes sense. But uh, so I went and looked it up and then I'm like, well, they must have, we have 60,000 visits from this, this term. Why would we have 60,000 visits on a porn site? Well, I go and do some research. I'm like, we must've had a vulnerability. And without asking the, the, the InfoSec team, because I didn't know if they'd tell me the straight up answer or not, I start doing research. Yes, they had an XSS vulnerability and they had just shut it down. It was public knowledge. I shut it down the month uh -huh. I started. So then I go back and look and yeah, the visit stopped the day that they put out the, the fix on the, on the XSS uh -huh. attack, right? And so then I nice take one. that to the <laughs> InfoSec team and I had a really great lead InfoSec, who's was really great. And I said, guys, you've had this on the site for like as far back as 15 years. And they're like, wow. yeah. And they knew that it had an excess vulnerability in 2012 because they had something bad happen and they didn't fix it. And I don't know why they didn't fix it. And this was a new InfoSec team. But there was a couple of guys that had been on a really long time. And one of the guys is like, that's not possible. And the lead looks at him and goes, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, he's right. <laughs> so, but the long story short is that led me to finding 13 million Russian porn spam links. That led me to finding that they had an open search box. And the search box would let you type in anything and create a page. And that those words would go into the title, the description, the H1 tag, and create the URL. So now, now I did a search and it was a single page app, so they couldn't do an inventory of pages. Now I had to try to find all the pages that they may have created and found that we were selling all sorts of things like sex toys and Mozilla downloads. And, and so that's how my brain works. So it, it's looking for the anomaly, looking for what doesn't fit and then following that path. And that usually takes me to where there's the problem. And I think that also goes back to why I'm the SEO of last resort. Because my brain works that way, I think I look at things differently. So when everyone's looked at it from a straight SEO perspective, I'm going to turn it, you know, 45 or 90 degrees and look at it from an angle. Got it. Yeah. Got it. But also, maybe because, I mean, we started back in the days and we didn't have all the tools that we have today. We have Screaming Frog, well, like a little shitty crawler called Xenu <laughs> and or whatever. Uh, but but do you... You had to put yourself in like Google Boat mode, right? You had to to think like, okay, I'm Google Boat and I'm gonna click here. I'm gonna okay first HTTP headers, then the robot.txt, then the blah blah blah. 
Um, and I think it's a tremendous advantage because a tool, if you just press a button and our friends are SM Rush or Screaming Frog or whatever tool you use, but you don't know what, uh, what you want, uh, it's not going to go very far. <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree. Um, Screaming Frog, I think, is a little different because you have to know what you're looking for or at in Screaming Frog. But it was funny. I didn't know Screaming Frog existed. I didn't start using it from day one. And I was doing all these, like you were, like crawling a little bit with Xeno, like looking at pages by hand, looking at their code. And someone's like, why aren't you using Screaming Frog? I'm like, Screaming what? I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best tool ever. Because <laughs> I'm doing like large type. Yeah, it saves yeah, a lot of time. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but you need that to set it up. If you don't set it true. up right. Uh, and you're right on the other reporting tools though. Like Sitebulb's amazing in what it reports. Like it gives you um, little blurbs on what's wrong and then it links you to an answer. And uh, and if you if you don't know SEO that well, you can still create a report out of that and charge somebody for it. But it doesn't mean you're gonna help them effectively recover from whatever's wrong with the site because it may bring back 95 hints that are wrong. And those 95 hints, maybe 10 of them will really actually move the needle. And so you have to know the difference. So you're very right. And someone asked like, how do you know how to hire a technical SEO? And uh, on a on a call with somebody, and one of the people goes, "Ask them if they can use Screaming Frog." It's like that's actually a really good point because <laughs> the other tools you just put in the URL and you let it crawl, right? Yeah, but yeah, Screaming yeah. Frog, you do have to know how to set up, and you do know how to interpret the data that it brings back. So I find that, and I don't right. use many of the more powerful tools unless the company's already paying for it, because I use I do a lot of stuff on 10 million, 20 million page sites, and those tools all charge by 100,000. So I can't go to a client and go, and I, and because I'm doing recoveries, I can't just do a sample audit. I have to know the entire site. I have to see the whole picture. So. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, and also sometimes it's not on the technical side. Uh, could be content, could be links, could be the, I feel like the technical aspect of it really changed from back in the days where, and you said it yourself before, you had to help index the website. I was not indexing well, and now it's the opposite. You gotta, you gotta stop the, the site to index too well. <laughs> it's kind of reverse of, of what we were doing back then, but now I feel like it's just like you put the coin in a, in a, in a video game. Then you gotta play the game, and the game, you don't win with the technical aspect of the way you just gotta be this, uh, we'll this is there. just the beginning we'll debate there i i, I do a lot of no what, what 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 i'm saying is uh if if you are bad of course if you if you have but to be good is just doing your job to have a site that's fast that's responsive that that welcomes well the the that respects the user it's just doing the job i think that uh i understand what you want to say but I think I feel like people invest so much money on the technical aspect, and they for, they forget that um, well, it's just the beginning. You know, it's you have to be. It's just doing your job. Then you get to be remarkable at content and so on and so on. Uh, but the the tech, I don't know what you take on it uh, uh, I, I, as as far as the the power of technical I, SEO. The power of technical SEO is very high. Like um, this is a few years ago, but. I had a site that had a 30 second average page load time. We got them under 10 seconds. That's the only thing we fixed. Three months later on an update, they went up 200,000 visits a day. 
And they held that about 80% for six weeks until they started putting all the ads back on the site because this was a page speed thing. And I came in and it was down one day and then down the next day and then down the third day in a row. And I'm like, I, I get on a Slack and I'm like, did you guys do something site? Because it's 10 million page site. There's no way for me to see everything. Like, yeah, we're doing so well. We put all those ads back on the site. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> well, you know that 80% 80, 80 yeah, but... boost that we got? Uh, you just lost 40% of it. And then, and then they would, then they fixed it over after six hours of arguing on Slack, they fixed it. And then two weeks later, they're like, why aren't we back? And I go, oh, it doesn't work that way. Like you got an update and that gave you the big boost. You, this is right when Panda and Penguin went like real time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was one of those that had something to do with it, but um, technical, the way I look at it is, is the first thing because developers one are usually under-resourced and overtaxed. So they don't usually do the best code. They would like to do the best code, but they can't do the best code because they've got, you know, a VP over them is telling them you got to get this out or it's a small mom and pop and they don't know the difference. Either way, if you can't index and crawl properly, then it doesn't matter the rest of what you do. If you're not fast, it doesn't matter the rest of what you do because Google can't crawl your site well, can't index it well, then it's not even, it's not something that your content can fix. So it's, don't get yeah, me wrong. But, the other but, things are really, really important. But the first thing is technical. You have to make sure the technical is good, the saying. page speed is good. Then move into content, site architecture, links, you know, queries, how are the queries matching, keyword research. But a lot of SEOs, you see it all the time in groups, will argue page speed isn't that important, even though it is a ranking factor. Now, John will come out on Twitter like he did the other day and say, or Gary, one of the two, it's negligible. It doesn't make a big difference. Well, every site I've fixed the page speed on where they were over like 10 or 11 seconds on a full load, uh, which like pretty good recovery. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally agree with you. Um, it's probably my broken French, my broken <laughs> English that didn't come across well. What, what I'm saying is, okay, let's say it's just, to me, it's just the beginning. It's, uh, um, you have to have a, a website that is fast, that is good, that is accessible for, for, uh, for the boat, uh, that has a good architecture. But is this just the first step? All the cases you're talking about is just not, they are not doing the job properly. But if uh, I've seen so many people investing in SEO audits again and again and again, but they don't invest in content and links, um, well, nothing is going to happen if, if you got an empty shelf, <laughs> empty shelf, uh, shelf, empty shell, <laughs> fast and but the, the, the it's crap inside. Um, there was this this um, uh, it was not a cook. It was just a critique who was say if you freeze shit, you're gonna unfreeze <laughs> shit. <laughs> this is true. I don't think it changes in the freezer. <laughs> exactly. So, so if, if your website is just a, a scraper of uh, classified and has no value, the content is just duplicated from other stuff on the web. Um, and if it's, uh, if it's your, if you're fast enough, okay, let's say you, you load in five, five seconds. Well, to go from five to two is gonna be very hard, or to change the, or to fill in all your alt, or to change all your H3 and H2, or do whatever you want. Um, your content is still thin content, or even just no value content. So uh, I feel like the 
uh, I don't know how to translate ingrat. It's um, it's uh, it's just the the technical part is um. Yeah, no, I don't have the word in English, but it it's a it's a it's a job that is so difficult because, like you said, we are just trying to fix things. We're just it's um it's a big mess if we if we have to thank google for something and that and you know that it's a little bit less of a mess than before but they still bring on stuff that like react js okay flash is gone but now it's react js and <laughs> they, they keep on on making things complicated if it was an ideal world if the seo um had uh was the the head of everything it would be perfect, but you have technical limits and you have marketing um, priorities that are going to block the, the perfect SEO world. You Sometimes you can't go all the way to where you want because that's the way the website is. If you got a... Some 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 magento, for example. Well, you can't uh, <laughs> you can't externalize the JavaScript. I mean, it's just not going to work. <laughs> or you can't. Uh, uh, you, you got limitations that make it very hard for technical SEO to um, to be perfect. Well, if you if you had it your way, if you were starting from you know instead of being the one who recover, if you were at the beginning and you had your way of saying, okay, this is how I want things to be done, it would be a whole very different web. Yeah, hundred um, yeah, percent. I find that, and unfortunately. Um, you would think that enterprise clients would be the ones to get that the most, but they get it the least. So I worked with a big brand, billion dollar brand who is launching two sub brands and they were paying influencers all this money to like talk about their product and whatever. And I'm like, what about the SEO portion? They're like, Oh, we're not worried about that. And I'm like, but you're yeah. doing all this influencer market. It's going to get all these links, but you don't have anywhere to put the links right now. You don't have a common website for it. You're doing this before the websites are launched long time before they're launched. I'm like, you sure you don't care about SEO? And they're like, yeah, we don't care about SEO. I'm like, okay. And then I, I heard about a year later, they're like, no, we actually do care about that. And it's not necessarily like um, anyone's fault inside a, a company, but it's just that SEO is often considered this add-on feature. Like we'll do it later. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, and they mm -hmm. don't understand that every... SEO affects, SEO isn't just content. A lot of businesses think SEO content, links, titles, that's it. That's when you're done. And it's like, no, SEO has page layout algorithms, has page speed algorithms, mobile, you know, you know, mobile first. Um, so you have to know all those things as you're developing the site. Because if you don't, you have to retrofit. And retrofitting, I always like to equate a website to a house. You know, you, you build the base for the mansion, for the mansion, even if you're going to only have one room. Exactly. And if you're building the one room and I come to you as the SEO consultant a year later because you're not performing, and they go, you know that one room where you're going to have to add three more, a set of stairs, a pool in the back, and a yard in the mm. front. And they're like, that's a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, but you can't, there's certain hurdles you can't overcome. And if you don't have good content, good architecture, good technical good links, those would be the four main components, I think, um, then I can't do a lot to help you. And if you you probably didn't know you needed to talk to us first, but you really should always let the SEO lead the effort. I remember reading one of your 
I couldn't read everything. <laughs> it would have taken me. But but uh, it struck me when uh, when uh, reminded me when Matt Cutts uh, said, "Okay, what about we change uh, SEO, meaning search engine optimizations, to search experience optimization?" I thought that was interesting. Tell me, uh, tell me your your point of view on this uh, search experience <laughs> optimization instead of search engine optimization. Well, Google's gone through several. Um... Uh, what am I trying to say? Um, it's evolution. So when it first was going after what SEOs did, SEOs originally came not as a way to help fix a site, but to spam Google so they mm -hmm. could make money, right? Which is fine, but that's where it started. And then Matt was the first, I think he was the first spam fighter. And the first set of algorithms came out to just deal with spam. You know, the webmaster guidelines today still are mostly about spam. You know, keyword stuffing and doorway mm -hmm. pages and redirects and all that. But then they started looking at use, the usability of a site, the user experience of a site, because Google's product isn't their search results. Google's products are the, the websites it brings back. So if the sites sure. aren't usable, or they're covered in ads, or they have whatever myriad of offenses there are out there, then it looks like Google's not a very good search engine, and they might decide to use a different search engine, right? If every experience with the websites they pull back is horrible. So they started focusing on user experience and they started focusing on like page layout algorithms, page speed, things like that. Uh, and I think Matt was very correct. It was user experience optimization, not just um, search engine optimization because you had to, because that's when they started to render the page and look at the actual page itself. Prior mm -hmm. to that, they didn't do that, right? So that's when they started to do the full page render, look at the page. Now they have the two processes where they, you know, take the straight HTML raw and then they do the render on top of it. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's a, it was a really good way for him to describe it. I was really surprised actually that they did, that they said that um, they are doing it on a large scale. I knew that they were doing it on an experimental scale, like um, that they had some leftover bandwidth. So they would do the rendering thing and they would do it uh, when you when you had a site that was hacked, they would do the rendering. But doing it on a large scale, that's very costly. And I don't understand what's the point. Like why, why, why would they need it? Why would they need to do it considering the extra cost? Um, what's your, uh, why do they need to, to render from a browser perspective? Um, I don't uh, get it. Well, I think it probably solves two issues. One, are you showing something different in the browser than what they get in the code level? So, you know, it's very easy to see if they match up. But also, uh, back when they first started doing page render, that same site I told you about where they had the 8,000 alt text, you know, um, they had another yeah. hidden, something was dampening them. And they were a lone site. And the very first thing on the top of the page was this big, you know, contact us box in the, in the lone page. Mm -hmm. And I said, why don't we change the, the design layout here? Because this isn't very user friendly. Like users don't care about that. Uh, put that down the page. We're going to we redesign the whole site. Um, and then that was about the time that Google said they had a page layout algorithm. Uh, but so that that site, we fixed it all. And, and that helped give them another big boost. Um, but I think. For users, Google wants to always says you want to make sure your site's good for users, right? Well, if they can't see the page layout, you can trick in code where things are laid out. I can put the code block of at course. the bottom and really just display it at the top using the CSS. Um, I can use JavaScript to hide mm -hmm. things. You know, I can use JavaScript clicks to hide things. So if they do the page render, they actually see what the, 
what they're getting. And I think that's probably why. Yeah, no, I get I get the point. Um, but but knowing the the cost, right? And even like the electric bill that <laughs> at the end of the day that's gonna cost it's it's not it's not cheap <laughs> to do that kind of thing. Let's let's put it this way. Um now let's move into the oh, wait before we move on, I wanted to love, say something to that. Yeah. I have no proof of this. This is just a hit me when I was working on stuff theory. Uh the core updates, uh the stuff I'm seeing technically, these sites always had these problems. They're not new, right? So the one site that had 800 redirect loops, that had been on the site for a long time. The site that had the 30 second page load because the page speed modules, that had been on five years. I had a site with a two minute load time that had its best traffic ever, average load time. Yeah, wow. average load time. Hmm. So I think that for Google amping up the technical, the page speed, all of those things, saves them a lot of money because if the sites are easier to crawl, the sites are faster to load, they have less resource calls, et cetera, et cetera. That greatly, if you're looking at trillions of pages could be, I don't know exactly. I'm not just throwing out number, but you know, it could be a hundred million dollars. I'm guessing, right? Cause they build new facilities. They even had to create a dam for one of their facilities to redirect the water, set enough water to cool the facility. Right? Like think of the, Think how much money you have to put into a, a server farm when you have to put a dam in to get the water. Like, it's not a cheap expense. It's massive. So I think that some of the focus on technical, which is seemingly more recent, that they've been much more, much more hardcore about it. And what I'm seeing in the recoveries mm-hmm. um, is is a money decision, is a cost saving decision. Oh, it's uh, and and I read and I can't find it. It's it's bothering me because I read this um, scientific paper where the guy uh, made a very nice demonstration that um, the way Google is built uh, with data centers, computers, it's not like peer to peer or blockchain or whatever it could be. There's a physical limitation because the web is so big and it's growing so fast then you can't just multiply, multiply the data centers to follow up. Well, they have the, the uh, software aléatoire, the random surfer. Is it in, in English? How you translate software aléatoire? The random surfer. Oh, yeah, the random surfer. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so they, they don't crawl everything all at once, blah, blah, blah. but still, there's, a, there's some kind of physical limitation to, uh, to the power to crawl the web. And I, I, I see it with the project quant.com where they started to crawl eight years ago. It's humongous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the West is your, the web is humongous. Yeah. And, and um, there's, uh, yeah, there's an electric uh, people. Tell us about how you view the difference from an engineer point of view. I mean, you are not from Google, but how do you think they view the search engine compared to uh, uh, um, the way SEO uh, sees a search engine? Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, how do I see it? Different? I think, uh, well, for them, I mean, they have so many, so many different people working on the algorithm, so many different people working on it. Mm. I don't even know if one person at this point can even tell you how all that works together. Right. So I think mm-hmm. on our side, yeah. we're trying to figure out how it all works um, for our clients. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you went to a Google engineer that they could tell you 
how all the algorithms work or how all the AI works or, you know, I think, mm -hmm. I think they're from, they're inside the machine. You know, we're outside the machine. We're, we're outside the elephant looking at the elephant from different angles and someone's got the trunk and someone's got the tail and mm -hmm. we talk amongst ourselves and we try to put it all together. Whereas I think at Google, you know, as an engineer, you have a, a specific role that you're attacking, whether it's web spam or quality or that kind of thing. I'm not sure if that answers your question, but. No, totally, totally. Uh, and I 100% agree with you. Uh, they, uh, they work on little bits and uh, we, and we have, that's why at the beginning I say, I think, you know, Google SEO better than Google, Google's themselves uh, because uh, you figure it out and you understand. Maybe you can't write down the code, right? <laughs> you can't write down the algorithm, but you got it. You know what and how to feed Google and that's all that counts. But now let's speak about this uh, love-hate relationship with Google. <laughs> Please lay down <laughs> and and talk to me. <laughs> Let's uh, how do you how do you live this? Uh, we all have this love late relationship. So what's uh, what's your point? Well, on I that? mean, you know, it does give me a career that allows me to to make more than most people do and to work from home, work with a lot of great people, which is great. I mean, it is probably one of the most fascinating industries, you know, in the world because I'm on a UK Zoom with you in your country and. UK and Denmark and Iceland and Australia and and we all come from different mm -hmm. walks of life and we all have different skills. A lot of us are very creative and musical or artistic or photography. Um, so, but uh, with so you got to love all that created by Google. Um, I think sometimes Google mistakes people at Google mistake issues with Google as personal these days, like. If I critique Google, mm -hmm. I'm not critiquing John or Gary or Martin, um, the pu mm -hmm. public-facing people in the United States for Google. Uh, I'm critiquing Google. Like this update that they ran this past week, the core update, in the United States right now, uh, small businesses can't get their loans from the government because big companies swoop them all up. So they're starting to get them out. Mm -hmm. But if you're a small business that's been shut for two months right now, and you have no loans and you've been making have no business and you're holding on by a thread waking up this week to 70 percent traffic loss on whatever you were doing online is devastating and i think sometimes google is tone deaf to the damage that they cause and i'll see like someone from google like tweet out like oh all those spam sites everyone's all upset about it. and i'm like no the site that you hurt that i'm working with is a mom and pop 40 years in business or mm -hmm. a disabled man whose disabled wife he supports through his online business. I think a lot of times Google as a company is a little tone deaf to the, to the damage that they can do. And especially with these updates, because in the history of Google, most updates might shift you 20, 30%, right? And, and some of your keywords, but these updates are devastating. They're 70% traffic yeah. loss. You wake up and then the next day you're gone or on two updates, you're gone, right? Like over a couple months. Mm -hmm. But why? They're not violating the Google terms of service. They're not violating the webmaster guidelines. These are the sites I've recovered are like technical issues and query shifts. And, True. and that's True. where I have a problem with them right now. And when they had Penguin, I wrote an Ethics of Penguin uh, article because Penguin took yeah, I, read I, I read it. But Penguin <laughs> took so long to update and you couldn't, 
you couldn't recover without the update two years the last time yeah, yeah. and you couldn't move Horrible. to a new site because they followed you if they knew it was your site you could it would follow you and kill the second site so what were those business owners to do they didn't know they hired a bad seo that bought links and gave them a shady profile mm -hmm. and i feel like that on this one and then that's when you get into the love hate thing it's like i wrote a on twitter the other day do any other seos feel that running this update was a particularly awful week to do it and some are like would some sites went up and i'm like yeah that's great but they still could have done that in two weeks that wouldn't have made a big difference um because one of my clients is getting a recovery out of it right um but they've already been down for a while they've already adapted to being down the fact that they came out this week with another devastating update according to clients i don't have one anybody that lost but i mean according to other seos um I have problems with that. I have problems with the fact that Google is often tone deaf to the to the the business owners that rely on them for their income. And I think my mom had COPD in the last years of her life, and she ran a fifty five thousand dollar a year online business with oxygen on her nose. Right? Very yeah, nice. she's tough. <laughs> yeah, she's tough. But I, she didn't have a site that Google could affect. She was using Amazon and and eBay and all that, but. I just mm -hmm. thought like every time like the penguin roll out, that was when she was alive. Or if it had been like now, she's one of those people that could get devastated by these updates. And that's her only income. That 55,000 a year she was making on selling belt buckles because no one sells them in stores anymore. It's pretty mm -hmm. genius, right? Nice. But she, she's <laughs> like cool. on her oxygen with COPD, 30% lung capacity, making $55,000 a year online. And I don't think Google often connects that, that when they do these things, that those are the people that they hurt too. This isn't about web spam anymore. True. Like the, these updates aren't about web True. spam. And, and so that's where I have the, the difficulty. And I have a problem that now that Google's kind of created this, we want to have like buddies with a lot of SEOs that if you critique that, you'll often like five, 10 years ago, other SEOs be like, yeah, like Google, think about this, right? But now you got kind of, uh, you'll get attacked. I got, I got jumped on the other day for tweeting, wasn't this probably the worst time to, do this and somebody went off on me on twitter another seo about well if you want to be the one who always hates google and i'm like i don't always hate google i tweet out compliments when google does well and i critique them when i think they've done bad and i think as an seo my allegiance is to my client and i should be doing that i should be criticizing or critiquing google when i think they've done something that harms people in a way that google may not have thought of anyway that was my that's pretty long but <laughs> No, we spoke. We spoke about it. Uh, was it? Yeah, yesterday actually. <clears throat> Where back back in the, we miss Matt Cutts because he knew how to draw yeah. the line, uh, and it's just not right the way the way communication. And I could understand that these guys love the the fame and and the the, the whole uh, ass kissing thing, but not. I don't care. I'm on the blacklist, so <laughs> whatever, guys. Uh, it's just not my thing. I, I think it's totally wrong. Uh, you agree 100%. It's not a healthy relationship. Um, Google needs to draw the line. It's Google. Uh, they don't have to be buddies with SEOs. They have to stay in their place uh, and, and to say, okay, this guy is legit just because, uh, just because why? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You need, you need to pause? No, 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 I'm good. I just had an issue on my notes. Yeah, the, 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 and let's speak about, okay. The last time I got very pissed was 
this rail prev thing the the rail yeah. prev when they they okay they say use that and then some random tweet uh, from Gary Alves I think or I don't know who years later say oh by the way we it never worked we were never able to take it into account what kind of communication is that <laughs> <laughs> you put something in place <laughs> it doesn't work and you don't tell anybody come on guys <laughs> Well, I also think if we put everything that Gary and, and John said in the last five years doesn't work, there'd be no algorithms. It's just like willy nilly. And I don't and I don't blame them for that. I mean, I'm sure that's coming internally from people outside. Mm. They're the communicators. They're not the people creating the like Matt was the one who actually created well, algorithms. He was in Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, that's the one thing I do miss about Matt, because Matt always gave warnings about something coming like a year. Like you had sure. a year and then he would hit a big site like, Hey guys, we weren't joking. Like we're going to hit this big site, like overstock one time and BMW another time. Double yeah. Year, and then yeah. they're back in like two or three days, like Google doesn't destroy, but that told every smaller site or other site that, Hey, we're serious. You better fix mm. this. And then it would still be like three or four months. And then he would post, Hey guys, this, we posted this today. It affects this part of the algorithm, this many queries. So you knew where to look on these core updates right now. It's like, oh, you can't fix anything. Uh, you're just not as relevant and and there's nothing you can do. And you're like, if somebody went up, then that means that you can fix something because you went down, they went up, True. something got rewarded, something didn't. Of Even if it's query shifting, a keyword research will show that, right? So, yeah, I'm sorry. I kind of, I think I lost the train of thought there on what we were talking about. But. No, 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 it's, uh, it's right on point. Um, uh, it's uh, and I will go even further than that because when I look at the way Alphabet, the, the yeah. mothership, uh, I read every quarterly report, and I told you that. Uh, and I look at how they just don't mention Google, the the, the search engine we know. They don't even talk about it. Uh, never ever. Uh, from for the last time I really read something was in 2017, so the the end of the year report when they said so 2017 to the investors they say yeah we killed all the content farms <laughs> that was 2013 right <laughs> and they announced it to the <laughs> so I'm waiting for the day they're gonna be proud enough of all this uh, AI I don't like that word it's more like well let's not get into the the debate of uh, what yeah, is yeah, AI, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the machine learning, deep learning, all this stuff, but whatever they want to call it, uh, I'm waiting for the day when they'd be proud enough to to tell the investors. Um, that's probably the day where okay, uh, they they got it right, but they are not there yet. And I think we agree that um, the. As I, I'm guilty of simplifying. I, I call it rank brain, but you're right. It's multiple layers of it's very complicated. Uh, but we got to make it easier to, for people to understand that it's really machine learning uh, running the game right now. On the, actually, not only Google, but any search engine is about uh, is about AI or more deep learning and machine learning, um, and it's it lost a lot of finesse. It's not, the results are not as good as it was previously. They're terrible. They'll figure it's it terrible. out. It, they're going to figure it out. 
but right now it's not good. I, you know, so they they moved from strain to things, and but they were still doing a lot of you know basically manual action in there, not manual actions, but you know manually applying. Uh, but the last couple of years, like micro moments are sure that's great. You know, if you want to know a time of a movie or what time of day or the temperature outside, that's that, simple. Yeah, that's There's just no data factual, yeah. and that's very simple. Um, a lot of SEOs think that Google has like full NLP, which they definitely do not. They're like a six month old child. Uh, and, and I True. find that be, I think it's not, I know what direction they're trying to go, but I don't think it works. I think they got much better understanding when they didn't need to understand what the page was about because it was fuzzier. So if I put in, um, I put in search results now where the entire word is missing, like the entire query is missing and it's not related to what I put, what I search for. And there's that big uh, thing like um, people thought they're losing all this traffic to featured snippets and they're like zero click results. And I was like, did anyone look at how many people are having to refine their searches over and over again? I mean, I'll do 10 sometimes refinements just to pull back something that Google used to be able to pull back on the first search. And, mm -hmm. and I think Google's obsession with AI machine learning giving you things before you know what they are, the specifics of language. So now it's various, it's an entity, right? So it's like, it's yeah. like if I know this is a box and this is a bowl, but let's say there's something new that comes out that's a box bowl. I mean, that's a ridiculous thing, but put those together, Google wouldn't know what it is. And so it used to be able to fuzzy logic without having to know what it was, figure it out. All these links say buzz, box sure. bowl, all these other articles say box bowl, all the header says box ball. I don't know what a box ball is. I don't need to know what it is. I just know this page is about that. And unfortunately with language, mm -hmm. you have to have a specific definition for everything. And as they, your query doesn't match the specific definition that they have, you get a very bad result. And they usually take out the important modifier. So I'll look like for gluten-free recipes. And when they show you what they remove, they remove gluten-free. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's kind of the most important part of my query, right? So I do a lot of informational search because I do a lot of research online and I do a lot of research on topics, personal and professional. And so I see how bad it is. And I think a lot of other SEOs don't work in that. You know, they're not doing a lot of research, not writing a lot of articles or not doing a lot of presentations. So they don't see how bad it is because they're just using it for the micro moment stuff. Because um, I'll ask other SEOs, like, is it as bad for you? And they're like, no, it's, it's fine. But I think if you're anyone who's looking for true information, it's really poor. I mean, it's not, it's, it's so bad as to be irrelevant at times. And it wasn't that way three, four years ago. A lot of SEOs, like you said, they're in the micro moment. Um, and, and the same, I mean, we have a lot in common. I've been studying queries for years, <laughs> <laughs> years. And people don't understand that it's tens of thousands of years, of not years, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hours of staring at those goddamn search engine result pages, yeah. right? They don't, uh, it, it's, um, yeah, they don't, they don't realize that to get to a level at where you at, it's a lot of work, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hours, a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot. Uh, and they try to, it, and now, uh, you can go into YouTube and find the answer to pretty much every everything. Um, and when I made starting to make a lot of money with affiliation, with uh, um, AdSense and all, and people, uh, 
well, you guys were just lucky. You just had to, uh, the gold was just there. To... No, there was nothing before. Okay, uh, I subscribed to AdSense like four months after this, the beginning of the program. So you couldn't even go into YouTube and say, oh, do I make yeah. money with AdSense? <laughs> it didn't exist. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, that's what I have to explain to new clients sometimes. Like I had one client look at me like back in December and he's like, well, that's a lot of money. Like I said, well, you're not paying me by the hour. I'm like a lawyer, but the law changes every day. Like if you're a good SEO, yeah. you spend hours every day of your own time. Most, you know, you might have a spurt here or there where Google's not changing much and you don't have to do a lot of learning, but you're constantly having to update your knowledge and then figure out how it works with a black box that doesn't tell you how it works. And in fact, now is it tells you you can't do anything most of the time, you know? So at least Matt mm -hmm. gave you a direction to go like, oh, I need to research links or I need to, re mm. now it's like, uh, you can't do anything, so good luck. And it's like, okay, well, great. Uh, obviously can do something, but I'm going to have to figure it out. So you're right. There's like so much knowledge that goes into being a good good SEO. And uh, and, and that's why um, uh, anything that I do, I make sure that I really understand. And I'm like that personally too. Sometimes I'm being known as like opinionated. I'm, I'm getting oh, okay, attacked. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I'm getting attacked but by... I gotta close my window. I think I think uh, mosquitoes are out. Let's bring out the word awesome. Awesome, awesome. How do you pronounce it? Awesome. Awesome. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Because I read one of your piece, and you are awesome. You are what I call remarkable. You Aww, can produce content that deserves to get links from an organic perspective. I know how to make content that deserves to get attention. But that's the top 1% of the content creators. That's the top of the pyramid. And what's not fair, because this whole thing, okay, just be awesome, just make a great content, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what about the rest of the people? What about the rest of the world? Uh, <laughs> not everybody can be, can be remarkable or awesome. And, and uh, that's, um, I think it's just so... Uh, I, w I was going to use the word pathetic, pathetic, but it's just, it's just a straight up lie. It's just a straight up bullshit of, of trying that, oh, do the best of what you are, blah, blah, blah. No, uh, just regular. It's not for everyone to, to be the best at what you do. Uh, it's not the, the way the, the world is made. And uh, the way Google is trying to say, just be remarkable, just be awesome. Uh, <laughs> I know that you disagree with that point of view, you know, even if you are awesome. So you, you prove that you can be, you know how to be, but you also know that for the most of the people, it's just not possible. So they don't deserve to, um, to be visible. They don't deserve to have a little piece of the cake. I can't really have a problem with Google wanting sites to have good content and stuff, right? Because again, that's their product. If they brought back sites mm -hmm. that have horrible content, people would think they're a horrible search result. But I don't do, like, I find keyword research really tedious. So I, I usually farm that out to someone who loves it. Can I do it? Yes. But my heart's not in it, so I'm not going to be better than him. Um, I don't do link building. I know how it works, but other people are better at it than me. So I have them do that, you know. Why have a client get a mediocre result for me when someone else could do it so much better? So I send them that work, right? So I think that if it's not something you do well, 
then you just don't do it, right? Like anything mm-hmm. in life. Sure. There are doctors who are brain surgeons and there's doctors who are family practitioners. They all specialize in an area that they prefer and what they love to do. Not everyone's a surgeon. Not everyone's a good diagnostician. Um, I, and I think SEO is not that different, right? Some of us are really analytical or really love this stuff and, and want to figure out how it works and spend our time and energy doing that. And other people might just want to write nice content mm-hmm. and they're really good at that and and they should do that. I think the problem is in the SEO world, though, is a lot of times there's this pressure to be one who does everything. And uh, I think that you say like people are awesome, but we put a lot of work into being awesome. I wasn't a great writer out of out of out of undergrad, right? I wrote way too lengthy. I used way too many ands and columns and commas and right. And then you I thought you were French. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in French, there is one author, Philippe Solers, who wrote a three hundred page book with one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done that back in college. I actually had in my first uh, my master's program. They gave a take home test, and one of the instructions was. Uh, to the whole class, they gave this test out, right? About 10 of us. And it said, this is a 10-page exam. Don't go over, Christine, this means you. Because <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he knew I'd write 20 pages, right? So I worked on it, and I worked at a professor who helped me work on it. And then I started writing for, like, Search Engine Watch, and my editor was really great, and he helped me work on it. And now I've gotten to where I, I know how to make it work because I put on the Chemical Brothers Las Vegas edition. And the staccato nice. nature of that music keeps me concise, right? And if I don't, <laughs> if I don't use that music, I can get long-winded. Point being is, anybody at our level in this field has has worked really hard to be awesome. You may have natural skills that make you a good SEO. You may be inquisitive or good at logical analysis or creative writer or uh, really good at uh, creative link building, whatever it happens to be. But you worked hard to do that. Because you know, like you said, nobody told us back in the day how any of it worked. Mm. There was no, there wasn't an instruction guide on SEO 101. I mean, Google didn't has that now, but it didn't have it when I started or when you started. We had to rely on each other to learn how things functioned. So I think exactly. the awesome part, the awesome part, is knowing where your skill set lies, and then applying it to something in SEO. Yeah, but what I meant is not. Uh, Google puts a standard to what awesome is. Okay. It's their law. It's not the law, but it's their law. And uh, not everybody's potential. Everybody's potential to be awesome is not the same because of many, many uh, factors. Um, So to be, of course, it's their search engine, their their laws, their rules. They, they, we don't have anything to, to do with it, but uh it's just uh we do a better job than them <laughs> to explain uh at, at what you uh, what you need to do to when the whole bs that they they tell people just make a great okay how do you make a great site mr mr google well just make the best content you can okay how do you make the best content you can well just make a great site okay <laughs> they did do that. <laughs> How do we cover it from a core update? Just do good content. No, that works. I think, um, no, you have a really good point, but I think that the two things, like we were just talking about, knowing what your skills are and what they aren't. And then Google does put out the quality raters guide, which I always tell every SEO to read 
when I do a talk, but I also make sure to tell them it's not an SEO guide, but it is what Google looks for in a quality site. So you don't have to do everything in there, but if you don't know how to make a quality site, say you're a site owner and you're like, I, don't, I can't afford your services, um, but can you advise me? Sure, I'll tell you to read the quality raters guide, come back to me and we'll tell you what you need to do better. You know, I'll take a look at your site. So I think they do put it out that way, but the communication on different aspects of the algorithm, it doesn't exist really. It's more just, you know, read the guide, do good, good, do great content. Great content's all you need. I mean, if you look at the core update thing that, you know, Danny um, Sullivan put out, it's basically what it says. And then has you read the part of the quality raters guide questions from the quality raters guide. I can't remember if it's from there or a Google doc, but you know, do you answer questions? Do you have expertise in this area? You know, uh, great. That's, you know, just how to do a good site but it doesn't mean all those are ranking factors. So, um, so I do think they give the goal. It, it's that? the end result. It's, it doesn't <laughs> matter if they are or not ranking factors. Uh, of course, people should not be mistaken, but if it's the end result, if it's the goal, if it's what you need to achieve, uh, people should obviously, yeah, focus on that. And it's been proven that chasing the algorithm is not uh, a good strategy. Um, and totally even agree. if I'm a nerd, even if I love to, <laughs> to push the <laughs> limit of the algorithm, I'm also very much aware that uh, since 2007, yeah, not much, 2000, yeah, two, let's say 2012, since 2012, the way I do things has not evolved much. Um, I adjusted a little bit, but yeah, it's uh, and I, I don't I don't think it's ever going to change again, especially since Amit Singhal left, uh, and and the direction where Google is going, um, they're not going to tweak it. They're not going to get rid of backlinks. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> they want to because it's so easy to manipulate with them. But. No, I totally agree. And and that's why I was saying to you earlier, sometimes, you know, I see SEOs who like to, you know, do all this creative stuff, but my clients aren't ones that can tolerate the losses from creativity. So I do mm. just solid SEO because like I told you, the way I look at it is there are jobs on the line with the clients I work with. And so if I get all creative and I make a mistake, well, then someone loses their job. So I just do straight up, like you said, solid SEO. Um, it, things have come along that have been added to what I look at, like page speed or mobile first. Uh, and then I try to learn every intricate de detail about how page speed works. Like Google doesn't just look at the overall page speed and you're done. And, you know, it looks at certain things in the breakdown of the DOM and the load and time to first buy all those things. But, um, but you're right. And sometimes I, and I think anyone at our level gets this point because most of the people I know say this, but you get um, imposter syndrome because you're like, mm -hmm. You forget that you spent 10, 12 years learning all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, I'm just kind of doing the same things that I tell people to always do, but it always works. So why <laughs> would I change it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and uh, right, that cuts is gone. So they're not creative with the algorithms anymore. And you have all this uh, hypocrisy about, oh, no, don't don't buy links. It's uh, not, uh, it's again the guidelines, but they're all buying links. Come on. <laughs> I'm shut up. I, well, I never worked with a site where we bought a link, but, but we did creatively acquire them. So there's no such thing as a white hat SEO, right? I wrote an that's article. What I'm saying. I wrote two, yeah, I wrote two articles, white hat, gray hat, ass hats. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I read it. I read it. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I wrote it twice is my editor moved from a, a publication to publication and wanted me to rewrite it. It's about four or five years apart. But uh, the point being is that um, uh, that you know there there is no such thing as a white hat because Google says to be white hat you can never ever ever uh, buy a link, manipulate a link, get a link. It has to come naturally. If you waited for that, and I did have a client who did because they didn't want to invest in link building, uh, eight months later, with uh, 5,000 pages of unique, very good content, they had 80 visits because <laughs> they didn't have any rankings because they had zero links to the site, mm-hmm. right? And um, so link building, which is usually what we've done, or link acquisition. You know, I, I uh, worked with a, a, a partner, and he had a, a guy there named David uh, Mackenzie Kong, who's in the industry, but kind of a small footprint. So a lot of people don't know him. He would find the most creative ways to get links. You know, he would find some, ex, like it's a, it was one of them was like a finance site and he found some financial podcaster that I had never heard of, but they had a hundred thousand followers. So he got his, the client on that program and they got, you know, like I think about a thousand links from finance, other finance sites mm-hmm. when they were done. Right. So, uh, so anyway, but, but you're right. Like you, you can't just do it. Like, hey, just let the site sit there, and eventually it'll get links. And no one sees yeah. it; it doesn't get any links. Oh. Yeah. No. It, um, I, it slipped because right now we uh, we have a kind of a heated heated uh, discussion in in France of this guy who is an ex Googler and said, okay, all the uh, platforms where you can buy links are shit. Uh, but we tracked him down and he is selling links. Okay? <laughs> An ex-Googler who invested, who got investments about 200,000 euros to sell links. <laughs> and he's, he's just saying, my way of selling links is better than yours. <laughs> Dude, come on. So he kind of, you missed, I missed, the, I missed the explanation about the context about my remark. But yeah, everybody's manipulating the page rank. It's a beautiful theoretical concept. Uh, it was a, but yeah, <laughs> SEOs uh, have their ways and can be very, very creative to, to get links. Uh, where I draw the line is the, the legal uh, aspect of it because the easiest way to get links is hacking. Okay, you, yeah. you just send boats to exploit um, vulnerabilities and, and you are like, okay, but I don't destroy the site. I just put a page uh, with all my links. So I, uh, uh, no, it's illegal. It's hacking. <laughs> you, you, you got into a server. That's, that's where, but the problem is that we only have one judge is how do you look at yourself in the mirror and being okay with what we do. And yeah. the moral compass is very different from individual to individual and what seems right to you might not seems right to the next one. So how do we deal with that? Uh, and on the other hand, you have this uh, official message of, oh no, we don't. Uh, so all those guys who pretend that they don't manipulate page rank and then the, you see them on, on Reddit or forums or on cough on public talks and no, no, no. We for, I even had, I mean, you are a judge uh, at the US search awards and the Canada search awards, or w- which ones? Oh, I'm a global head judge now. Glo- global, okay, global. Yeah. 
I was at US Search Awards last year, though. But the, in the EU Search Awards this year, um, an agency for the best SEO campaign put out this beautiful um, report. And uh, I put the, the site in, in SRMRush and I knew the spots. I recognized. I knew they were buying links. Like, like <laughs> I, could, I could recognize the, the, the places. I mean, it's not hard to see a, a website and to tell <laughs> if, if the links were bought or not. Come on, guys. <laughs> you, you think you're talking to on, on CNN or, or Fox News? <laughs> you're talking to so you, you try to you try to lie to someone who has a, several years of experience. Um, and uh, no, they um, that's what I hate the most. People who are trying to bullshit you, trying to front face being, no, I'm just a white horse. I'm <laughs> I follow the guidelines and I suck up to the goodlers, but uh, they do it like they do it like everybody else. Uh, they are not better, and that's what I hate the most into the um, into this whole uh, industry and the way some people try to pretend what they're not. I I know who I am. I'm, I can look at myself in the mirror very well, and I'm okay um, with the flaws, with the <laughs> with the added value. And that's it. Uh, why do you try to pretend something that you are not, you know? Yeah, there's truth to that. And and just on the link building thing, um, you know, when my, I, I no longer work with my partner anymore, um, he was uh, the link, link side. And so I tried to find a gray hat, white hat, whatever you want to call it, link builder. And people would refer me to somebody. Oh, they're great. They do white hat. And we start talking. They're like, yeah, now we buy links. We have PBMs. And I'm like... <laughs> And because this is the way I look at the black hat side, I have no problem with black hat, but I have a problem if you use it on a client's cash register, because exactly. if the client's cash register is attached to jobs, back to jobs, but if somebody's, the asset. In, yeah, because if somebody's down there <laughs> doing data entry for $10 an hour and I do some black hat technique and they get, they get in the search results, then that person loses their job. I, I find another client, right? right. I'm very, I, that's where I draw the line on that. It's like, it can't be on the cash register. If you want to put up 20 microsites, then spin them up or a second site and spin them up and, you know, have black hat the heck out of them, pull mm. traffic, whatever. I don't, I don't care. That's Google doesn't like it, but who cares? Um, but I just couldn't find a white hat link builder. I finally found somebody, but it took a lot of very big names that people referred me to that everyone was sure didn't do black hat link building. And I'm like, they all do black hat. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then, go ahead, Ben. No, no, I'm saying um, I come from branding, marketing, PR, uh, even in press uh, press relations, like it's, there's a trade-off, right? You, the journalist, uh, maybe you're not giving money to a journalist, but it's, <laughs> it's not natural okay the way you get you get articles and you get press uh, citations and stuff it's not organic like you gotta you gotta work there and you have a way there's a way to manipulate the journalist actually it's yeah, pretty link, easy because link, yeah link building is one of the i always tell clients it is the most scrutinized part of google's algorithms mm -hmm. so you never chintz out or cheap out on whoever's going to be building your links for you because you have to know, like, if I'm going to use PR, how do I use it so Google doesn't see it as you're saying manipulated results, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it totally. And then when you talked about um, 
uh, faking it or not being who people seem. Uh, I have often gotten site audits from clients, some from somebody who's well known. And I look at that audit and I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought this person knew what they were doing mm-hmm. and they don't. And it just was like so disheartening to me because I had like all this belief that they were like this really good SEO and what they did is pay other people to do the work and front the work to uh to clients and stuff. So uh unfortunately it's not usually the industry forces those people out eventually. Bakers mm-hmm. uh, don't really True. usually make it a long time. But there has been a little bit of a problem of that in the US in the last couple of years where um because of that cult of personality that's been going yeah. on, where yeah. there are people that I'm not gonna say they're faking. I'm just gonna say that they move their wheelhouse and they're not as knowledgeable in the new part of the SEO world that they're trying to be in. And um, but they use a name maybe for something they were good at to to promote themselves now. And then you got to fight the misinformation because they don't really know that part. Like link building, I know how to, I know the, how the algorithms work. I can do a basic link disavow, but if it gets more complicated than that, I don't do that work because there's so many intricacies, so much you have to know that you learn over years and years and years, or even tools that you create, you know, for getting links restored or disavow or people removing links, whatever. Um, I just think there's sometimes people moving in from one area to another where they don't know the new area as well. I think it's more like that than it is like just straight up, you know, I'm just trying to be a phony fake. There's some of that, but that usually gets that usually gets I think, eliminated. I think you got two levels here because one level is uh, yeah, I see someone doing a webinar or a public talk and I'm checking out the profile. I'm like, dude, you just make no money. Like you got, yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, what do you, what do you, um, uh, the, you, know, uh, you probably have those sites where you can check the, the company earnings, right? And you're like, you, you pretend to know what you're doing and you pretend to, you, you give lessons to people, but you, you have nothing, you made nothing. That's one level, and and the other level is also um, like you said, trying to trying to um, to impress this cult of personality, trying to yeah. uh, uh, I mean this whole uh, fame thing, uh, trying to I don't know. Um, it's uh, let's uh, we're over two hours now, so let's let's <laughs> end on a good note, on a positive note. Okay. Where do you see where do you see the future of search? Uh, is uh, SEO gonna die <laughs> are we are we still uh the best ever i think search search in general is the best acquisition um pipeline or i don't know the exact term because right, of right. intent right yeah. uh, search in general seo in particular is part of search but where where do you see uh where do you see this whole thing going in uh, in uh, in the future well, in the in the short term, um, just from what I'm hearing, so this isn't, I don't have a lot of data just from other yeah, SEOs. Yeah, just your point of view. Yeah. Mm. Uh, they are telling me that they're cutting their paid campaigns by like 70, 80%, but they're either going up in organic, like enough to cover the difference, or they're going up to be close to the difference and their bosses aren't understanding why are they cutting this much paid traffic and still doing really well. And and of course, obviously, there's a lot of reasons for that, you know, cannibalization of keywords, whatever. Um, so I do think in the short term, Google might be hurting a little bit for or all paid channels. 
might hurt a little bit because people are going to be looking to save money and they're noticing that they're not hurting the big enterprise sites, not the small ones. Uh, they're not hurting by cutting those budgets out uh, or not enough for it to make a difference. You know, um, the other thing is going forward. I, it's hard to say. I thought that a year or so ago, if you asked me, I would say Google was trying to get rid of SEO, SEOs, mm-hmm. um, that they didn't want to deal with us anymore. Just some moves they were making to circumvent the SEO industry. Mm-hmm. I'll go straight to developers, things like that. Uh, I think now um, they've kind of pulled back from that. I think they're back to to realizing that we're part of the deal for now. Long term, it's hard to tell. You know, if uh, I mean Google could kill this industry tomorrow if it wanted to, and sure, so that's sure. a, little bit, a little scary thought. I would advise anybody in SEO to make sure you have other skills too. Like I can build websites on WordPress. I have usability skills, accessibility. So if this all went away tomorrow, it would suck because I love this industry, but I could survive. Um, but it's hard to say because they were, they were, like you said, they were doing all these like innovation mm. and then they kind of stopped. Like WordPress <laughs> kind of died on the vine and, you know, um, uh, you've mentioned before and outside of this talk, you know, Google everywhere. Yeah. I don't really see them doing much with that. I know they're doing a lot with Alphabet on like medical things and, you know, robots and uh, trying to make us one with, you know, computers with synchronicity and all that on the outside. But I don't know. I, I feel usually have a strong feeling on where it's going. And right now I think we're in a state of flux, and especially with COVID yeah. and to see where that goes. I don't really know where it's going to go. I do think we might see a stronger play from Bing because uh, Bing started That's going. Yeah. Yeah, because Bing started going to conferences about a year and a half ago. And in every talk, telling us how they like SEOs, they want to work with SEOs, they need help from SEOs. Mm -hmm. And then uh, their people going to dinner with us, hanging out, talking to Frederic. (laughs) Yeah, Frederic is really cool. And he moved to the web spam team, the ranking team. Mm -hmm. And he would go out to dinner and talk to us. What do we need? What would we need? What could Bing do better? And we all know Bing converts better. They just don't have the traffic because they never really made a play uh, since they first came out with Bing. So I do think there could be more players in the market, maybe just one or two, DuckDuckGo and Bing. DuckDuckGo, maybe never, because I have talked to the owner of DuckDuckGo uh, and he kind of just says, this is baby. It doesn't really need to ever be mm. massive, you know? But I think Bing looks like they're putting more money into the search team. More, There's more Hopefully. people, there's more yeah. attendance at conferences and more attendance at conferences, not as a... Uh, you know, not in the sales floor, but actually having people like Google used to do with their engineers yeah, way, way back in the day. You know, they'd hang out with us and play card games at PubCon <laughs> and like, you know, and, and they're kind of in that mode. So hopefully, hopefully there'll be a, because I think all the major tech companies need a competitor. Um, whether- it's hard to, if you want to, to optimize for two, two search engines, <laughs> that's, uh, that makes it harder. That's for sure. But it's healthier. Remember when we had like five sure, that- though, like we had. We had to like, we had to know all the algorithms and we had to like, who's making us the most money? Well, this one or that one. Yeah, no, no. We we even had this uh, SEO contest that ran for years before one person was able to achieve a ranking on on all those different (laughs) search uh, search engines. And uh, the, the... yeah, uh, what uh, I want to say to end this is um, someone like you as the, why are you so good? Why are you one of the best at what you do? What makes a very good, like 
one of the best SEO is never give up. Never, ever give up. That's the difference between the average or the bad and the rock stars, <laughs> like the top of the top. And you do really define uh, what it means to never give up on any level, like personal, business, SEO. Uh, I, 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 really, uh, I really like, I really enjoy this talk and I think uh, we get to do it again because that's a long <laughs> one. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm not going to cut it. I'm going to put all the, the whole thing. But uh, yeah, I want, uh, I want you back. We got, we got okay, to talk yeah, more. Yeah, I would love to. It's fun to just talk SEO for, on a Saturday afternoon. I had to think what day it was. Exactly. <laughs> COVID, two months in the house. So it's like, is it Saturday or Sunday? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, we lost, uh, we lost track of time. And uh, it's, we're used to being in lockdown anyway as, as SEOs we, I've been locked down for 15 years so it doesn't it doesn't change much we're we're more I resilient. tell everybody it's like it's like normal wrapped in the surreal because I'm used to working at home on my computer but yeah. I used to go to the gym at night or I used to go out to eat with friends and that's where it gets real when I leave the house it's a mask it's gloves it's glasses you know but otherwise I'm on my computer in the house and we are we are blessed to be working on the internet with everything that's gonna happen the carnage economic uh, uh the internet is uh yeah i think we i i, I had this big uh, i was yelling at a bunch of, of seos who were complaining oh i don't feel motivated uh, blah, 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 don't dude Come on, respect a little bit the rest yeah. of the world. Like, yeah, <laughs> what, you can't get off Netflix or Twitter? <laughs> oh, that's so hard. Yeah, I think back to like when people had the 1918 epidemic, uh, pandemic, and they were, you know, they didn't have anything to entertain themselves, but whoever they were stuck in the house with. And that could have been 10 people in like a three bedroom home. Um, you know, here we're on a computer watching Netflix. Now, that's a point of privilege. There are a lot of people who don't make much money, who have 10 people in a two-bedroom apartment, and this is a miserable time. But for us to complain about, you know, this, I mean, what is there to complain about really other than a financial, you know, yeah. and all of us who've worked for ourselves have been through these ups and downs on finances. So we know how to mentally mm -hmm. handle it. If this is all new to you, like I went through the dot-com crash of two, you know, back then, I got laid off with 200,000 other people, no jobs, $300 in my pocket and no severance and no, I was one of my first jobs, no unemployment to speak of $800 a month. And I had to survive. And then 9-11 happened right after that. And I still had to survive. So I've been wow. through this and I've been through, um, so I've been through this kind of situation and anyone who works for themselves is a consultant has been through this kind of situation where the clients just didn't come whatever reason they dried up you had to reinvent yourself or redo things so i think you yeah so i think we're very fortunate up. i think mm -hmm. we're very fortunate and i do feel badly mm -hmm. for the people um who you know don't have options um aren't going to have options they're gonna have to go back to work they may be afraid to go back to work i don't have to deal with that mm -hmm. so yeah so you're right we're, we're very blessed to be able to work with what we do that we do it online and that we can get paid very well to do it we've worked hard to, to get there but that doesn't mean we're still not blessed for the opportunity. Exactly. Uh, and I think we really need to acknowledge that um, uh, we work on a 
what I call a territory. It's not country. We are the guides. We have the keys of that territory where a lot of people are. It's unfair. I mean, the world is unfair. But uh, yeah, let's be blessed. Let's appreciate what we have and never give up. Exactly. Exactly. Merci, Christine. (laughs) 